Thursday, September 1st, and we are back for another edition of Around the Nest 2.0 Season 2, where we go up, down, left, right, in every dimension around the Blue Jays minor league system with all the rungs of the ladder, or at least as many as we can get to roost here in the nest. Tyler Zickel from the Vancouver Canadians, joined by Andrew Trifley with Single A Dunedin and David Korzanowski, Double A New Hampshire. We may have a Pat Malacaro sighting at some point along the way in the episode, but this time of the year, the Bison's in a playoff chase. The DJs are the same. Vancouver with their magic number at six. And we are going to talk about some positive stuff in Double A as well. Decors, don't fret. There is some good stuff to talk about, but uh, gentlemen, good to have you both. AT, we're actually going to start with you. We're throwing David Korzanowski a curveball. You're coming to us from Tampa, Florida, a gigantic series against the Tampa Tarpons in the stretch of what likely has been maybe the finest Dunedin Blue Jays play in your tenure with the DJs over this six-week stretch. Yeah, I mean, outside of uh, the 2019 Dunedin Blue Jays, that was a very good team as well. But, uh, I mean, this, the, the turnaround uh, with the ejection of the new players, it's been uh, great to watch. And I keep joking, uh, every game that we play, I, I say it's the biggest game of the year. Uh, you could argue that this one probably is the biggest game of the year, especially if Bradenton wins tonight. Uh, but uh, it's a good feeling to do some scoreboard watching and hopefully just keep winning ourselves. We're still in the driver's seat. And I'd let it, like it to be known that uh, – I have not wavered this whole season. I've always stayed confident that we'd, uh, we'd eventually figure it out. Uh, some outside uh, elements may have helped that, but uh, hey, we're, we're where I thought we'd be. We do have the receipts. Every episode yeah. this season, Andrew, you've been saying, don't count the DJs out. They've got the pieces. They're just trying to figure it out. And when the wheat has meet the chaff, as I think the cliche goes, the boys have really separated down there in Florida State League action. So really set the scene for us. Tell us what's at stake over this last week and a half. Yeah, I mean, I think if you, even if you go back to before the draft guys got here, I mean, the, the guys that, had, that were here, uh, Rainer, Gabby, uh, guys that, even guys that went back to the FCL and Raquelbin and Angel Del Rosario, uh, I mean, they kept us close. They kept us in it. We were three games out by that point just needed a chance. And then these draft guys come in and we're currently 15 and five since, since they've joined, we, you sweep the Jupiter hammerheads and that just gives you a boost of confidence. And we're just, we're winning in any way. I mean, in that Jupiter series, we had three walk-off wins. Uh, you're going down big, coming back, winning. We, we've gone up big. They're just blown teams out. We've kept games closed and still found a way to win. We've held off comeback uh, bids from, the Marauders last week. Uh, so, I mean, it's just a really, really complete team, just no matter how we need to win, just finding a way to win. And it's it's pretty cool coming into the office and just kind of having a feeling that we're probably going to win today. It, uh, and that's that's how it's been the whole the whole time since these, these last month has gone by. And uh, hopefully we just keep it going. Obviously, we're going to scoreboard watch Bradenton. They're, I believe, I want to say a game and a half out or a half game out based on the results of yesterday. Um, but we're still ahead. Uh, it's going to be a tough trek because we got obviously Tampa this week who's in it fighting with us for it as well. And then next week we have the Palm Beach Cardinals who are also in first place while Bradenton goes to uh, the, I, I want to say the last place in our division, Clearwater Threshers. And the Tampa Tarpons go to the last place in the East Division against the uh, Daytona Tortugas. So, I mean, we're certainly going to have a hard track in front of us, but 
if if we make it, you can't say that we didn't deserve it. So, uh, I mean, we, we have the best ERA in the league right now uh, since the start of August. Um, uh, tied second or third uh, best average in the league. Uh, hitting a lot of home runs. Uh, we could talk about K. Doty in a minute, but, I mean, just the team in general, everybody's playing well. It is a great time to be in the Blue Jays system, and the success at these lower levels in the minor leagues is indicative of the plan that the Blue Jays have been putting in place over these last couple of years, drafting, developing, signing players from outside the organization. Here in Vancouver, getting contributions from guys like Garrett Farmer, who pitched well last night in the doubleheader to earn the win in Game 2, who was released by the Orioles after just one season at their high-A affiliate and put up solid numbers but just was never a guy who stuck so you get the combination of the terrific draft talent, which we're going to get to since you're the first guy who's getting, getting to see them after becoming professionals. Mix that in, of course, with the international signings. You've mentioned Rainer Nunez and Gabby Martinez, who have been so crucial to Vancouver's recent stretch of success as they chase that playoff run. They've plugged right in with the loss of Addison Barger, Trevor Schwecki, and David Schneider earlier in the season. David Korsanowski is going to tell us all about those guys in just a bit. But Gabby... Rainer, they've plugged right in. Alex DeJesus, who was part of the return with Mitch White in that trade that brought him over from the Dodgers. He's hit home runs in back-to-back -back games here with the Seas. So really, it's a similar scenario, albeit with a little bit different pieces down there in single A from what I'm hearing. You get the injection of new talent combined with guys who have already been there, and they're really starting to roll, winning games in multiple fashions. So talk about these new draft guys. Kay Doty, of course, but Talk about some of the guys maybe who don't get as much of the shine who really impressed you to start their professional careers. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, obviously Peyton Williams has been pretty consistent for us as well. He played a good first base. I uh, ran into two home runs in the same game uh, in Bradenton last week. Uh, so it's good to see him find that power because he is a big kid. Uh, bigger than if you think Rainer Nunez is big, which he is, uh, Peyton Williams is even bigger. Uh, so that's great to watch. Uh, Alan Roden's one of the better outfielders I've seen uh, defensively. It's uh, it's great to watch. Great arm. Uh, he's thrown a couple of guys out at home plate. Uh, so that's been great to watch. Devontae Brown has also come up in some big spots for us uh, and gotten some big hits to to give us leads late in games. And just uh, he's patient at the plate. He drew eight walks back in, uh, in one week back in the Jupiter series. So just good plate discipline. A lot of guys all around just playing well. Uh, and I think the most impressive thing for this team has been pitching staff in terms of the turnover that we've had and the uh, the consistency and success that is still coming with it. Um, we brought in a guy like Edison Gonzalez, who was actually on the Vancouver IL, but it just stayed with us. Um, pitching really well, had a tough break last night, uh, started strong, and then we went to a lightning delay. And so his start got shortened a little bit. Um, but still pitching well. And then we have a few more guys coming up. Rafael Sanchez had a, had a decent start in his first outing uh, in, in single A. Uh, so just a bunch of different names that people probably haven't heard of. And a lot of our uh, draft guys have been coming out of the pen um, and just getting shut down innings, keeping us in those games or uh, holding people off when they are starting to make a comeback. So we're getting contributions from everywhere, and it's been, it's been fun to watch. As always, we wrap up with every level with how we can follow along this year more than ever, as you've already shared, Andrew, more ways to keep in touch with the DJs than ever before. But as one of three teams in the Blue Jays system right now, making that playoff push, of course, prospect fans, Blue Jays fans, people who are just fans of the DJs or any of the minor league teams in the Blue Jays organization are going to want to keep tabs on what's happening in the Florida State League down the stretch. How can we follow? Yeah, of course, follow us uh, at the Dunning Blue Jays on all social media. 
And uh, actually, um, I will be taking a couple of days off Saturday and Sunday. Uh, I think I'm like 120 something games in of games watched. So going to get a couple days away and then uh, but we'll have Chris Valentine on the call on the road uh, Saturday and Sunday. So won't be missing out. You'll still get the radio call. So go to our website and uh, listen live to hear that. Um, and then we'll be back home next week where you'll get radio the whole time. And then once ideally we make the playoffs here, you'll uh, we'll have radio, radio and social the whole way to uh, follow along and see how the guys are doing. Well, a well-deserved respite coming up for UAT. Certainly well-deserved, not only for all the great hard work you do for the Dayton Blue Jays, but the terrific nuggets you provide us here on the Round the Nest. You get all the morsels left behind by the humans at the campsites. You bring them to the nest, and we're eating half burgers, chicken nuggets, thanks to you down there in the FSL. AT, thanks for joining. Thank you. Okay. You know what time it is, David Korzanowski. It's time to talk AA New Hampshire Fisher Cats. You're joining us from the Tooth downtown Manchester Delta Dental Stadium, where the cats and the dogs are going head-to-head. No, it's not raining there in New England this week, but it's not been raining very many winds of late. For those cats, first of all, welcome back. Secondly, what's wrong? Thank you, uh, Zick. It's good to be back. Bob Lippman took the trip to Somerset last week. Um, he started his radio career down in New Jersey. So you got to see some family and friends and take a road trip down at TD Bank Ballpark. Yeah, August was a tough month. I think the cats are happy to flip the page to September and finish out these last 16 games strong. Um, they went 8-18 eight and last month. And really, I thought the turning point um, that kind of led to a rougher month was a series against the Erie Seawolves, double uh, A affiliate of the Detroit Tigers. And they've always been really good at developing pitching. And the Fisher Cats just were not able to get a win that week. Um, we're swept at home for the first time ever in a six game series. Now, granted, we know that the six game series have only been, you know, in effect for a couple of years here. Um, but then they went on the road to take on Hartford, split that series, and then went to Somerset and lost that series um, on a two-week road trip. So now back home taking on Portland, a team that up until this week, they've had a lot of success against this year. They won three of the first four series against their rivals from up there in Maine. They've dropped the first two games, uh, seven to nine on Tuesday, and then a nine to four loss yesterday. Uh, walks have been a problem for this team, and then just some timely hitting. The long ball has been there all year. Uh, Fisher Cats set a new single season team record for home runs in a season. Zach Cook's two run homer on Tuesday night was the 145th of the year. Um, another home run last night from Luis De Los Santos. So it's up to 146. Previous record was 144. But the Fisher Cats have had trouble scoring in other ways. Trey Wilson, the broadcaster for the Richmond Flying Squirrels, uh, crunched the numbers with the help of the stats department and found the percentage of runs scored on homers um, in the Eastern League, and the Fisher Cats are over 40% in that category and are third out of the 12 teams um, in terms of how many of their runs are being scored on home runs. So it's just been about getting guys on base, stringing together hits um, that have been a bit of a struggle for this year's team, but a lot of positives. David Schneider has been on an absolute tear over the past month, John Aiello, a 24-game on base streak that is still active. Paxton Schultz has been night and day in the second half from his first few starts back in April and May. So plenty of positives, but yeah, the uh, the record has slipped a bit uh, since we last talked. 
You know, first of all, what a terrific update and way to keep it relatively positive while not, you know, no hot air on Around the Nest. We wanted real talk and uh, thank you for delivering that. Also, way to slip in a shout out for arguably one of the hardest working men in this industry, Trey Wilson, a former nester, thanks to the reminder from our producer, Leo Mui, uh, Bluefield back in the day for Trey. Yeah. I think that's when yeah. he got his uh, affiliated minor league broadcasting start. That's right. Well, so he went to Bluefield College and he, Richmond came here earlier in the month. So he and I uh, chopped it up quite a bit. Steve Goldberg, Bob Lipman, we're happy to see him as well. Um, you know, his his game notes, there are a lot of really good game notes in minor league baseball. Trey Wilson's are. His are big league. Yeah, those are big league notes. Yeah, yeah those are 100% that, big yeah. league notes. They're on legal size paper. And uh, yeah, he started in Bluefield and, and Leo reminding us as well, he did go to Lansing. Um, so he was with, you know, the Blue Jays system, I want to say five years. Maybe yeah, he knows a lot longer. of the dudes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so he knows, I mean, he knows a lot of the names, um, you know, a lot of those longtime coaches um, that Bob could rattle off that I, I still haven't learned my history as well. But uh, yeah, it was good to see him. And uh, and yeah, he had that stat on the home runs. He uh, also, <laughs> he made, he, he erected the largest cross for John Moses to bear in Altoona, PA, uh, John, also a longtime Eastern League broadcaster, because Trey was in Altoona previously, established that media relations department as one of the finest in the circuit, if not minor league baseball, at least from my experience going on the road with the Cats back in 2017. And I know J-Mo, John Moses, who was previously with the Trenton Thunder, would maybe prefer to do a few less pages in those notes. But <laughs> once, Trey, once Trey kicked down the door... Uh, it is not going back up on its hinges and also a terrific foodie as well. Trey Wilson uh, getting plenty yes. of love here on Around the Nest. Now, David, you talked about Davis Schneider. A lot of guys have been coming up from Vancouver the same way guys have been leaving Andrew Trifley and Dunedin to come to the Canadians like Rainer, like uh, Gabby. We've gotten pitchers like Diane Santos, Nathaniel Perez Lopez. So the Nathaniel, Nathaniel Perez mystery can be a little less mysterious down in Dunedin. We know who's who. Uh, but how about for you getting guys like Addison Barger, who's cooled a little bit and now has hit the injured list here at the end of his uh, really first big time pro season that's required not just a lot of effort, a lot of energy, but he's gotten a lot more attention than ever before. So a career year for Barger that maybe won't finish as strongly as we would like, but one of those guys maybe at the top of the list of Vancouver Canadians to start the year who've tuned into very productive Fisher Cats. Tell us about some of those guys. Yeah, so let's start with David Schneider. He had a RBI triple yesterday, two hits and two RBIs. Uh, he's just a dog. I mean, he just loves getting in early, um, a lot of early work, really hard worker. Um, he was drafted out of high school, grew up in Berlin, New Jersey, um, went to Voorhees High School and was drafted um, after his his high school career. 18 game on base streak, which is the second longest by a Fisher Cat all season. Um, in that stretch, he's batting close to 360, two homers. 12 RBIs. He just finds a way to get on base. Um, and he's solid in the infield as well. Addison Barger, I mean, he came here and three weeks in, it was over 20 games. His average was at like 420. Um, it was absolutely insane. It's cooled down, but he's still hitting 301. You know, I mean, he's having a really good season with New Hampshire. He's shown the pop um, to all sides of the field. He hit one into the second deck um, in Hartford. They have that sort of overhang with the second uh, second level that you have to clear to get a home run. So you really have to get all of it um, out at Dunkin' Donuts Park in Hartford. And uh, Barger had one of those that was just an absolute moonshot. I think he had two home runs in that series. So, yeah, a lot of guys have produced really well. And then Trevor Schwecki, 
got promoted to New Hampshire and he got promoted to Pat Malacaro's Buffalo Bisons and in his AAA debut made a couple great plays out in left field. Um, David Schneider and Trevor Schwecky cut from the same cloth in, in that they're, they're utility guys. They're going to move all over, play a little bit of left. We saw both of them um, play some left field and both of them have produced really well and, and hit the ball too. So I've been very impressed with those three. Cam Eden got promoted on the last day of May and has been with New Hampshire since. He had an outfield assist from left field on Tuesday. So as I said, I mean, there's a lot of individual positives. It's just been, um, I think if you boil it down to a couple things, it's just the walk numbers from the pitching. Fisher Cats, unfortunately, lead the Eastern League in that category. And uh, the timely hitting, just getting guys on base, stringing together three, four, five hit innings um, has been something that has kind of come and gone this year. What about Jimmy Robbins' recent addition? He set the single-game strikeout high for the Canadians when he punched out 11 in his second-to-last start with the Seas before he got promoted. And ironically, or coincidentally enough, Trenton Wallace, who started the year with single-A Dunedin, is now a fixture in the rotation here in high A. He matched that number with 11 strikeouts last week against the Everett Aqua Sox. So certainly uh, a great series. Excuse me, that was against the Hillsborough Hops. But either way, Trenton Wallace with a terrific showing couple of crafty lefties in Wallace and uh, Robbins. Jimmy, of course, making the jump to the upper minors. What have you seen in the first couple of starts for the lefty out of Orlando? He went to Rollins. Robbins from Rollins. That always rolls off the tongue. Yeah, right. He So he had Tommy John and uh, missed all of, was it 2019, I believe, or was it last season that he was I out? think he was out all last year. Some yeah, serious last... broadcasters we are. Right, exactly. But, uh, but he came back and um, – yeah, you mentioned that strikeout total with Vancouver. Through two starts, I mean, he's been really good. Fastball, about 91, um, and he's only given up one earned run in seven and two-thirds innings. So he came out in a jam against Somerset um, and then ended up getting three unearned runs um, to his ledger in that game. But his first outing against Hartford, four scoreless innings, um, three hits, three strikeouts, and just one walk. So still a limited sample size from the lefty. But he starts on Sunday of this series against Portland for his third start at Double A, and uh, Sam Robertson got promoted as well. He's a couple starts down, and he goes on Saturday. Um, very whippy pitcher, right? He kind of longer limbs, thinner frame, uh, but he can generate that power. And his curveball and slider, I know, are a couple of his better off-speed pitches. Um, so we're excited to see him. I know for for the Fisher Cats, we're not necessarily looking toward the 2022 playoffs. We're looking towards what this opening day roster might look like at double A next year. I know you're laughing, but there's a possibility we have. No, Ray you're so right. That was just a pro. Time. That was a pro transition decors. I just want to tip my cap to you. That was, that was an excellent Thank transition. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, the grass is always greener, right? So yeah, Ricky Tiedemann um, got shut down. He's on the development list. Um, presumably for the rest of the season. I know that they're going to be very careful with their prize left-handed pitcher. Um, who has been lights out, but there's a, there's a great possibility of, you know, guys like Robbins, Robertson, uh, Tiedemann starting the year here in New Hampshire, um, where they go from then on is obviously anyone's guess, but opening day rotation in particular could look pretty nasty come 2023. Yeah. I think Alejandro Melian is also yeah. in conversation there. A guy who's had some success since his promotion from Vancouver a month ago and maybe not somebody who will be ready to make that jump to AAA to start next year. But you're so right. 
the roster in double a to start next season with everything else being equal. We'll just pretend that baseball in the world is in a vacuum. Lots of exciting players. I mean, you got to figure there are guys like Addison Barger who after his continued development in the off season is likely going to get a great look in major league spring training at some point. Right. He's probably going to be in triple a. Maybe that's a guy you've got people here at uh, in high a, and I won't name names who are saying, Right now, Addison Barger stacked up against Kevin Biggio. You get at least as much power, if not more. And Barger certainly can play the infield. He's not obviously as uh, mature of a player just yet as Kevin Biggio. And by no means am I trying to say Addison Barger is Kevin Biggio 2.0 because Kevin has his own unique style of play. Um, but certainly looking ahead to the AA roster for next year, that might turn into the best team in the system in 2023, though – now, with the recent success of these new draftees that Andrew was sharing with us earlier in the podcast this episode, Vancouver might be restacked as well. Yeah, I, I think that I think that you're right on the money. Also, something we didn't talk about yet was the new prospect rankings that came out, because you mentioned Barger, a guy who hasn't gotten a ton of necessarily notoriety or attention at this point. He comes in from being an unranked prospect at the beginning of the season. Now he's number 14, according to MLB.com. Obviously, you don't want to read into those too, too much, but he's turned some heads and has, has really looked sharp defensively. I mean, he, his play at third base, his play at shortstop has been really good. Um, I've liked what I've seen from him. And also, I know uh, I know we're tongue-in-cheek here with some of the, the struggles of the Fisher Cats, but they've promoted guys really well and consistently over the course of the season. Parker Caracy is a guy who definitely was due a promotion, and he got it this week up to AAA. Um, he's a guy whose fastball is 96, 97. He's got a good slider, um, led the Fisher cats and saves this year and gets that bump up to the Bisons this week. So they've produced really good guys and, and developed well, which, you know, is the, uh, end of the day. That's the goal. Obviously the championships are nice, but the minor league levels about getting guys ready for the, uh, the big show. I think that it would be worth it as we circle the drain here in the 2022 season and the 2022 around the nest 2.0 season two episode slate it would be worth it to have an episode where we discuss that development in each level i know for me personally here in vancouver i'll be compiling i keep an all-time roster for the entire season compiling every transaction so i think it would be well worth it for us to all get together once the season has come to a close we do just a little bit of research and homework which i know we don't ask too much of leo is a terrific uh, I almost said taskmaster, but he's the opposite of that. <laughs> he lets us just do our thing and show up as we are with no Pat, of course, arguably the most prepared out of any of us. We sometimes have a little extra fun when Pat's away, the rest of us will play. But at the same time, I think with a little bit of extra research, that could be some really compelling conversations that uh, all four of us could have about the way that the Blue Jays have truly done a great job of developing players from the bottom part of the level as the entry-level employees, if you will, starting with the draft this year, getting all the way up to the highest level of the minors. And now this is where they, we're really going to see that put to the test down this September, early October stretch for the big league club, where they might need a piece or two from the minor leagues. And that's what this is all about, making sure the big league club can be in a position to win a world championship, which as of today, they certainly are. And it'll be exciting to see which guys in the upper minors might get that shot uh, once they uh, flip those rosters over and have an opportunity to call in some reinforcements. David, who might you think that uh, maybe has stopped through Vancouver, excuse me, New Hampshire this year, might get an opportunity to taste life in the big leagues before the season is out? That's kind of putting you on the spot, but just curious to know if that's something you've given any thought to. Of the 2022 Fisher Cats? 
I think so. It might be a bit of a stretch. All right, but, I'm going to uh, go. If you had I'm to throw go a dart. Yeah, no, I'm going to go with Hayden Yinger. Uh, he's a guy who pitched here and was good as a starter. Um, his only trouble came when he gave up like solo shots or two run homers. There were not big innings against him. It was just one swing of the bat that would kind of screw up that ERA and win loss record. Yinger was also getting uh, more of an opener role where he was going three, maybe into the fourth innings, um, you know, in each of his starts. And he's come out as a reliever for Buffalo and been awesome. I mean, he's had multiple games with three plus strikeouts in under two innings of relief. Um, so he's a guy whose fastball is already there. You know, it's, it's big league caliber um, changeup and slider are good as well. Um, and I think he's a guy who could definitely be in contention for maybe the biggest hole on the blue Jays squad at the big league level, the bullpen. That's a guy last year started his pro career. You talk about the re-rankings of those top 30 prospects. Hayden Yinger is now ranked number eight. He's a top 10 prospect for the Blue Jays. I've done a lot of reading. Keegan Matheson, of course, Julia Cruz, lots of others talking about the new role for Hayden Yinger, kind of that bulk relief role that really kind of got its start with the Fisher Cats as a starter, and they've really transformed him this year in the upper minors. And speaking of the upper minors, you look at those top 10 prospects, at least according to MLB.com, one, two, three, six, seven, eight all in the upper minors between double A and triple A. So by my math, that's six of 10, six of the top 10 prospects are on the cusp. Yasper Zulueta, perhaps another guy who could taste some big league action this year. He's much more of a wild card because of his very long and winding road back to full health. Uh, but then if you expand it out a little bit further, looking down at single aids and Eden, of course, you got 10 and 11, a couple of new guys and Josh and Cade who've just joined the organization who are now Number 10 and 11 prospects, Diane Santos, number 12. He's made his way to make two starts here in high A, though still trying to find it. Spencer Horwitz, he continues to rank at the AAA level. Addison Barger, 14, and then Adrian Pinto, 15. So that's the first half of those top 30 prospects. And a lot of those guys have been developed over a couple of years in the org. They're not raw. They're not shots in the dark like often these lists can be. Lots of those names bona fide professional talents who could be contributing at the big league level in a year, two, or maybe three, depending on how certain guys go, especially when you're talking about guys like maybe Gabby Martinez here in high A, who's just 20 years old, but has more than one hit per game played with the C's and uh, finished a triple shy of the cycle just two nights ago. So lots of great talent up and down the system. And uh, despite the win-loss record in New Hampshire not being what anybody would have liked it to see, you said it already, Dave. Really great development this season. Yeah, so, no question. It's been a it's been a fun year, and um, a lot of guys who you know I'm I'm rooting for in my in my own way as the uh, employee slash fan of the uh, of the Blue Jays. Well, I'll say this: Thursday, September first is the day that we're talking. We flipped the page to the final month of the season. We've already finished the last full month of the year. We're going for winning records in September for each of the four affiliates. We'll hear from Pat Malacaro in our next edition of Around the Nest. And the only reason I'm truly disappointed we didn't get Pat today, we got some great intel from our producer, Leo Mui, just before we recorded. Adam Giardino on Twitter. Pat had never had Wendy's fries in a Frosty. That's criminal. I don't, know, I don't know who raised him. I don't know who his friends are. But I call out everyone for not giving him that gift before today. 
I don't, I don't get it. And Leo coming in the chat, Wendy's is a Bison sponsor. Now, we may have a promo here. There may be a how many fries dipped in Frosty can Pat eat over the course of one inning for charity. All these ideas we could come up with without Pat here to speak up for himself. Uh, we could really put him on the line. I'm curious, AT, you've hung around for this entire episode after your updates. You've changed locations there in Tampa. But I am curious to know, are you a fries and a Frosty guy? Of course, who isn't? I mean, anyone that hasn't done it, we maybe they shouldn't be on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I kid. I well, kid. Pat, Pat's manifesting it himself. He's the busiest man in the Blue Jays org, I'll tell you. Uh, between Team Photo Day, media pulling it every which way, having you know fries dipped in Frosties at Polar Park in Worcester, which, by the way, I got to see Tyler Murray, another former nester there when I was in New Hampshire in July. I think I talked about it on the podcast before. Great little ballpark. And I'm not one to give the Red Sox any extra credit if they don't deserve it, but really great ballpark. Terrific guy calling games for them as well. But uh, I would say as much as he loves being the AAA voice of the Woo Sox, he misses his time in the Blue Jays organization. And it's partly because of conversations like this one on Around the Nest. Uh, David Korzanowski, any last words before we wrap up our first episode and maybe second to last in September? Well, I just wanted to I wanted to get a quick Vancouver Canadians update. I know you've sprinkled some stuff in here and there, and you're a master host. I'm trying. Host. I'm trying. You're a master host bringing everyone together, but the C's are in, uh, are in playoff position, yes? Yes, we have uh, six games as the magic number. That's a combination of Canadians wins and Spokane Indians losses. It's actually been a wild week already. This is the hugest series. Wow, great word, hugest. It's the largest series of the season. And for me, in my tenure uh, with the Canadians, which now is two seasons going back to last year, far and away the biggest stretch of games because, of course, no chance the Canadians were sniffing the postseason this time last year. But now an opportunity to have the second-best overall record if the Eugene Emeralds, the Giants affiliate, who won the first half, they've already punched their ticket. They're in first place by a game and a half over the Canadians in the second half standing. So two ways to get in for the Seas. They can either stave off Spokane, which seems like the more likely route right now, just because of the way Eugene's been playing. However, the Emeralds are coming to the Nat next week for the last six games of the regular season. That's September 6th through September 11th. Going to be a rocking series. Already have multiple sellouts on the docket. Might sell out all six games for the first time this year. And it might be a playoff preview as well. Now, we don't know what Eugene's going to do. They're going to take all the time they need to set their rotation, I'm sure. We may not necessarily get the A team or even the B team for the Emeralds. I could even see them holding some of their guys back in the States and not even sending them on the trip. Then again, they are the defending champs, so they won it last year. They're hosting the first two games of the playoffs on the Monday after the last day of the regular season. So September 11th is the last day of the regular season. Game one of the Northwest League Championship season at PK Park in Eugene is the next night. So say we play a game day at, or day game at the Nat, 105 first pitch, wrap up, let's just say all said and done, 345. Both teams, if the Canadians end up making the playoffs, are going to have to get on the bus, go down to Eugene. That's with the border. Gosh, you're pushing a nine-hour trip if you make a stop for dinner, which the Canadians almost will have to do. Then you got to play that night. You play game two the next night. Then you have two days off, which one of them is a travel day. And then the last three games of that five-game series would be Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, which could be a potential day game that Sunday as a potential game five of the championship series. So 
wacky and wild, no rest for the wicked, and an opportunity for the Canadians to make the postseason for the first time since 2017, and following that, win their first Northwest League title since 2017. So won those three straight, 2011, 2012, 2013, three seasons in between their next championship, and coincidentally enough, three seasons have passed since the 2017 championship. So if you're into that sort of thing, this could be the year for the Vancouver Canadians, but uh, a tall task going through uh, what is no doubt the finest team in this league this year, the most talented, that's the Giants affiliate in Eugene. Though we did reference a lot of moves in the Blue Jays system in terms of development, those Emeralds have had less moves in terms of roster shuffling than anybody else. So it's a cohesive unit. They play great baseball. They really took it to the Canadians earlier in this second half when they almost swept the seas down at PK Park. They won five in a row. Luckily, the Canadians escaped with a Sunday win. So it's not necessarily the team that you'd like to see on the other side, but Brent LaValle has the boys cooking really well right now. Those new additions that we've talked about, they've played fantastic. And the guys who've been here all year, Andre Sosa, who just had an 11-game hitting streak come to an end, but has been on base in 13 straight. P.K. Morris, who had a big double that proved to be the game-winning hit in Game 2 of the doubleheader yesterday. Then you have guys coming out of the bullpen, new and old, who are continuing to find ways. Connor Cook, actually, who Andrew Triffley knows all about, He's been fantastic. Seven saves. He's seven for eight in less than a month's worth of work. And the only blown save was also the only reason his ERA has gone up to where it is. He allowed six earned runs in two-thirds of an inning in the bottom of the eighth at Eugene in that five-game losing streak. So lots of good right now. Got names. You got guys who aren't necessarily names who are making impacts. And certainly this may be the most exciting stretch of baseball in my Blue Jays tenure since the 2018 New Hampshire Fisher Cats championship season which for those of us who've been around the system since then know all about what happened that year with John Schneider, Vlad Jr., Kevin Biggio, Bo Bichette, on and on and on and on. So exciting times. I could ramble on and on with my monologue about the seas as it relates to the playoff chase, but uh, good things are happening here in the Northwest League. I'll tell you that, D. I'd love to get your take on what you think about just meaningful games in September and playoff games for guys early in their development. How do you think it helps their when they get to the big leagues of uh, do you think it plays any role of like feeling these big games now, or do you think it's just kind of a, uh, not a big factor? I think it absolutely plays a factor. And uh, maybe you would agree having a chance to see some memorable games and meaningful games down there in single a, especially for guys who are just starting their pro career. I mean, I could riff and ramble, but this is what the blue Jays want. The blue Jays want to develop the winning culture starting as soon as they sign these guys or they find them or they draft them. They want them to know, look, we want you to get better, but winning breeds development, development breeds winning. It's something that we hear in minor league baseball year in and year out. And as much as the importance is placed on making individual players better as those individual players get better in the perfect world, they're also going to play better, which is going to lead to more wins. So I think, what we're seeing this year with the Canadians, at least from my personal point of view, as opposed to last season, guys are showing up with a little more energy, a little more skip in their step this time of year when normally they'd really be dragging, just trying to get through these last few games and then start the offseason and get some much needed rest and recuperation. But even when the Canadians have been down over this stretch, they've found ways to come back and win. And that doesn't happen when you're not in contention the same way, you can really find that extra juice, that extra mojo for the Canadians. Obviously they benefit from playing in a very special building where the home field advantage is real. It is palpable, but AT I'm with you. Like 
playing these meaningful games now not only is going to make them better players as individuals, but when they get to Toronto and they're playing in those meaningful games in October, the moment won't be too big for them. And while you can't compare a Florida State League Championship Series or a Northwest League Championship Series to the World Series, it is maybe apples and oranges. They're both fruit, but just very different. An opportunity all relative to a player's experience, to be in that mindset of, hey, I trust my stuff. I know that I can be successful in this situation. I've been here before, and that's only going to be a boon for the big league club when those situations and those stakes are as high as they can be anywhere. I think we can all agree those are the highest stakes in all professional sports, at least as it come, when it comes to baseball. When you're down to the final strike in the World Series and you need to execute your pitch with the tying run at third, if you did that at – PK Park in Eugene in a September in 2022, and three years later, you're in the highest stage doing the same thing at a big league park somewhere for Toronto. Only good things can come from that, I could imagine. Thanks for letting me riff about that, too. I get to, I get to go into the fields for a moment because, uh, I don't know, eight seasons into my minor league career, I know all of us have seen various shades of minor league baseball. There's nothing like it. Uh, I will avoid shedding a tear of happiness and of joy and of gratitude, but uh, nothing like it to see these individual guys come in, work together, especially now with these new draftees, guys who you know don't know Rainer Nunez from Adam, but they're suddenly his teammate, and these guys getting together on and off the field, having a great time, and winning breeds that good atmosphere as well. But I think from the top down, the Blue Jays are really instituting a certain plan that not only leads to good people, or I should say to good players, but to good people. Uh, AT, not sure if you can confirm that with these new draftees as well. I know during your segment, we didn't necessarily get into some of the individual makeups of these new pros, these rookie rookies, if you will. Uh, but hopefully that's the case for some of these new guys who have come on. Yeah, I think a lot of them just, they don't want to do anything wrong. They're, they're, uh, they're just very new. I've, maybe it's not even, it might not even feel like a job yet for them. Uh, it's probably still feels a little bit like summer ball. Uh, it's not something they're completely not used to. Uh, it's something they would do after their college season ends anyway. Um, obviously, I think they're starting to feel it now with uh, the playoffs coming around and playing these meaningful games. You feel the games getting a little bit longer and those those pitching changes coming a little bit quicker. Uh, not because anyone's doing terribly bad, uh, but you're just working those matchups and you're just trying to find a way to win. Um, so I think they're starting to feel the, the height of it. Um, and then obviously once they get into uh, – spring training next year, they'll really start to feel the grind of what the job is. Uh, but they're all excited, great people. Uh, learned a lot about them so far and uh, ready for the rest of the fan base and the affiliates to see them as well. Before I get each of y'all's last word, the one word that's going to sum up what it's going to take for your specific club to get through the end of the season, this is how it goes when Pat's not here, you guys. This is how it goes, okay? Uh, <laughs> y'all are grinning at me on the Zoom screens right now. I'm here for it. Uh, I owe Leo, our producer, a Eric Pardino update. He's talking about guys who are just starting their pro career, Andrew. Eric Pardino, not somebody who is just starting his pro career. $1.4 million as a 16-year-old out of Bastos in Sao Paulo, Brazil. We've covered him a lot in various iterations of Around the Nest, going back to the JGS days when he was in Lansing. Uh, Eric obviously had two great seasons to start. But his pro career had been derailed over the last few years by injuries, the pandemic, things just not going the way that uh, anybody kind of planned or thought they would when they signed him back in 2017. Right now in Vancouver, 
it's not been there. He's given up multiple earned runs uh, in just about every outing that he's been in. We've seen flashes of excellence, but then he'll lose the thread and there'll be maybe a pitch he's just trying to get over that's going to get punished here in high A or he'll walk back-to-back batters. So still trying to find that consistent excellence that we know is there and have seen flashes of. There's no doubt the stuff is great. Uh, The sequencing is solid, but there's just one last X factor that is missing right now. Um, In fact, checking in on his stats from last night, I got my scorebook open right here. He pitched in game one of the doubleheader. Sorry, he pitched in the series opener yesterday. One inning, two runs on three hits, a walk, and a strikeout. He went leadoff triple, single, single, and had thrown two wild pitches in that three-batter stretch. So that kind of sums it up. The triple was, in fact, a fly ball to dead center field. Deshaun Brown, number 30 Blue Jays prospect, who was great for the DJs and has been terrific for Vancouver, almost made an incredible leaping grab at the wall, but the ball went in and out of his glove and turned into a leadoff triple. So that, you could almost tell from the body language on Pardino, it really kind of set him off. He'll miss by a very small margin and kind of cock his head to the side and put this smile on his face that's, that's almost like, really? Or oh, like, like almost like exasperation. Like there's just a body language thing there that is, it doesn't tell me that he's necessarily fully in that consistent rhythm that would bode well for anybody in his situation who's coming into high leverage situations or even somebody who's just continuing to develop in high A in his first season at the level. So that pretty much sums it up. That ending in the series opener here in Spokane on Tuesday, three consecutive hits, then went strikeout, walk, and induced an inning-ending double play. So, like, it's just a matter of coming out, really sticking it to the opposing batters right away, and then building that constant, or I should say that consistent rhythm to be able to stack a couple of scoreless innings on top of each other. That's where Eric Pardino is at. But I think with a good offseason, that's a guy who may just jump right to double A if he shows up to spring training and really is executing as the pitcher that the Blue Jays saw in Brazil five years ago. So certainly good things to consider for Pardino and uh, a couple more outings, I'm sure, in the regular season. So we'll see how they go. Let's finish with this. One word to describe what your team needs to do to get through to the end of this season with whatever the goals might be. For the Canadians, it's going to be execute. Their destiny is in their own hands. The magic number is six. All they need to do, well, they could certainly win out, but uh, they have to basically just continue to win the games they need to win. If they win tonight in Spokane, that will mean they'll take this seven-game series from the Indians, even if they lose the next three. And then, of course, you've got Eugene coming to town next week. So execute is the word for the Vancouver Canadians as they chase their first playoff berth since 2017. AT, the Dunedin Blue Jays knocking on playoffs door. What's one word for Donnie Murphy's club? They just got to finish. We're, uh, I mean, we're in the driver's seat. We're in first place. We just got to finish games, finish series. Uh, I mean, I can tell you, everyone in this clubhouse believes that we're the best team in the league. Um, so if, if we just go out and play the way that they believe they know how to play, we, we finish and we'll, we'll be fine. Mucho mojo, finish, execute, decors. We could go with smile. We could go with fun. We could go with Roddy Red. That's one word in my mind. But tell us what I'm you're going to go. For the I'm going to go. I'm going to screw this up and do a phrase. I'm just going to say stick with it. I think that in the last 16 games of the year, uh, while it may not, while the games may not seem as important as in April, May, and June, Steve Goldberg and I were talking about this the other day. 
those last 16 games can make a difference in your final stats and, you know, uh, be different when you look back at your 2022 year. If you look at that, you know, line of statistics, whether it's a pitcher's ERA or a batter's batting average or OPS, those last 16 games have weight. I mean, it's over 10% of the season. So I think it's about these guys um, showing up every day, sticking with it and trying to finish strong. There we have it. Three teams on this episode of Around the Nest, two of them chasing playoff dreams, and the third certainly trying to finish on a high note. We are going to snare Pat Malacaro. We really got to put out that really premium bird food to get him to land in the nest. We're going to find a way to do it, maybe mix in a couple of Frosties with some fries along the way. We're going to fill up the next nest the next time around. But for Andrew, David, Leo, and Tyler, cheers to another edition of Around the Nest 2.0 Season 2. Go Blue Jays. Talk to you next time.